Welcome back to another edition of The Talk Show. Today's episode is a very special interview with a kid named Ellie Kligman. Ellie is a Division One baseball slash Major League Baseball prospect. He's a senior in high school. Now, what's different about him and maybe other baseball prospects is that he is a practicing Orthodox Jew, which means once a week or sometimes even twice a week, he does not play. And yet he is still viewed as one of the top prospects in the country. Um, his story is extremely interesting and motivational. The kid is mature beyond his years. So definitely enjoy that. All that is coming up after a word from Anchor. Before I jump into the interview, I want to talk about a couple of things. So some of you may know, and a lot of you do know, that I'm a religious Jew. I keep Shabbos. Um, and so this interview is something that was very special to me because I heard about this kid. A friend sent me an article a little while ago, started doing a little bit of research. This kid is a Jewish religious kid who lives out in Nevada who keeps Shabbos himself. Now, the difference between him and the rest of us, he's trying to make it to Major League Baseball something that a religious Jew who keeps Shabbos has not done. Um, and it's definitely an inspirational story. A few things that stood out to me in talking to Ellie is you hear how humble he is. You also hear how much respect he has, first and foremost, for Shabbos, how much credit he gives other people. He is a great kid. You can learn a ton of lessons from him at such a young age. His priorities are straight. His number one priority is to be committed to his religion. And his second priority is sports. And he doesn't want one to have to cancel out the other. And he doesn't feel that it should have to. He thinks he can accomplish both. And with that kind of mindset, I honestly think he will. And you just hear how mentally tough this kid is and what kind of kid he is in this interview. And he's made a fan for life in me. I'm definitely going to be rooting for him. And we've gotten to the point, I feel like, in society where anything is possible. There's no path. There's no industry you have to go to just because you're doing a certain thing. And this kid is proving that. He's trying to defy what were once thought as odds against him. So it's a super cool interview. Another little background, Shabbos is every seventh day. If you don't know, if you're not religious, if you're not an observant Jew, Every seventh day, we can't do any work. I mentioned on my last episode, I never grew up watching cartoons on Saturdays because I couldn't. So it's every Saturday from sundown Friday night, sundown Saturday night. Uh, there's no work. We can't turn on a light, can't go out and play baseball. Um, and it's just so cool to see when a kid is so committed how his teammates respect him and everyone else respects him and kind of paves the path for him because they want him to succeed because he cares about something that's bigger than everything else. And just a super cool story. So I hope you guys enjoy it. The interview is coming up now. Joining me now on the talk show, Major League Baseball prospect, Ellie Kligman. Ellie, thanks for doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. I generally don't have high school Major League prospects on the show, although it's a new show. Haven't had a lot of guests, but you are the first prospect in high school. So we're going to talk about why maybe you're a little different than the average baseball prospect but let's start first with your early life where you're from what your background is uh, i was born in san diego california uh, we moved to vegas when i was 10 um, and we've been here ever since all right awesome so at what point did you get into baseball what when did you decide okay that's something i want to do that was really something um i knew i wanted to do from really all from when i can remember um, i was kind of always playing around the house and i could never i could pick up a baseball or a bat and then I started playing in leagues when I was about six. 
then as I've gotten older, I just kind of realized that this is what I want to do. So that's similar to a lot of us. I remember starting to play in a baseball league as well when I was about five years old. And then somewhere along the line, the, de- the dream dies for some of us. For you, that hasn't. You've only gotten better. When did you realize that maybe you were a little different than everyone else? Probably somewhere in high school. Because uh, that was when I was playing against a lot of older kids. And kids were kind of forming into who they were going to be as baseball players. And so as I kind of hung with the best in the country, I kind of realized that that was the level I was at. And that's what I wanted to do. Now, what separates you from everyone else is that you keep Shabbos. So for the listeners who don't know, you are a religious Jew. And every seventh day of the week on Saturday, you have to not participate in any activities that are not allowed to do on the Sabbath, right? So you keep that, you observe that, which is incredible because there are games that are scheduled in that. When did you decide that was something you want to continue doing, even if it affected your baseball career? I never really thought of it like that. I always did it through my whole life. Obviously, I grew up religious, and it was kind of never a thought to just play games on Shabbos. So even as I've gotten older, the mindset's never changed. I'm just that's just on Shabbos. I'm not going to play. That's incredible. So obviously, you've had games rescheduled. You've had different things going on. You've told them I'm not willing to play on Shabbos. That is something that you have to be really pretty good if you're telling teams that you can't do that, right? So how does that translate? Are you that good? I mean, I guess some people think so. Um, it definitely helps because um, people want to change games for you if, they're, if you're going to help them win. So I've always, you know, I've been lucky in, the t- in that that's kind of been who I am. But um, yeah, it's just people are willing to help you if you're like, if you're kind of helping the team and, you know, you're a good teammate and, um, you know, they want to have you around, I guess, and they'll make changes for you. Yeah, so what you just mentioned before, though, that, really, it, it never was, oh, I might be risking some things because I'm keeping Shabbos. I keep Shabbos. That's what I do. And baseball and everything else in life really has to work around that because I'm a religious Jew first. And that's incredible. And I think so many people respect that mindset. And when they see that, especially the direction of the world today, maybe, you know, a couple you know, 50 years ago, it wasn't like that. But now the way the world is moving, people see that and they respect that. How many times have you seen that people respect you for having that respect towards religion or putting something in front of everything else? And maybe that's why they push off games for you or or give you special treatment. That's 100% the reason that they do it. Um, What I've learned is when you stay strong in your Judaism and you tell them I'm not playing on Shabbos, then they know that they either change the game or I'm not going to be there. So they know that they want want to change the game for me because they want to help me out. But if you're kind of lax in it and you say, well, I'll play on Shabbos if it's, you know, a playoff game or something, then they're just not going to change games because they know that you're not really strong in what you believe and that you will play in the game. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I was thinking where a lot of people say, you know, I really can't do this. Um, And then they see that you really don't respect it because when it comes down to it, you know, maybe sometimes you take off or you miss a day of this, or you're not as committed. Once they see that you're actually committed, that's when people will commit back to you. So you have been committed to religion and Judaism your whole life. So that's an incredible spot. One thing where you're different than other people is you also have your father who is involved in sports. How huge has that been for you to have your father helping you out? Um, I know he's moved some games. He is a professional sports agent, correct? Yeah. Um, In terms of the coaching aspect of everything, it's been awesome because he's kind of at the forefront trying to help us change games. And obviously he's had a lot of help from other coaches and, you know, the people running the tournaments and the leagues to help us out and stuff. Um, and in high school, too, in the in the spring before COVID happened, they scheduled the game on the last day of face-off. And, um, you know, we kind of had someone 
that kind of worked for the city. I don't know exactly what position they were, but they weren't going to change the game. And we had the other school trying to help us out and uh, people in our school and the coaches and the parents. And eventually it all came together that we were able to change the game. Um, so that was cool to see people, you know, they'll really help you out and do all that kind of stuff for you. And another uh, aspect is obviously him being an agent. Um, so I got to hang around big leaguers. Um, I've gotten help from them. You know, I just started catching. So one of his clients is helping me out, helping me out that um, pitching, you know, grips, hitting, all that kind of stuff. It's been awesome because you get to learn from major leaguers who are there and doing it. Who's one of the coolest players you got to just hang around who you just consider your friend? Couple of them are pretty cool. Uh, Carlos Ruiz, obviously. Um, Pat Venditti is a really cool guy. Oh yeah. Um, Dustin Garneau, he's awesome. Uh, and a lot of his minor league guys are all, I pretty, all of his clients are really cool, and they're always willing to help us out and stuff. So um, there's something. The one guy that I got to meet that was really cool is Roy Halladay. Oh wow. He was like yeah. my favorite player growing up, and meeting him was pretty cool. So let's jump into that really quick. So you must be a really big baseball fan growing up. So who did you root for? Who were your, some of your favorite players? What was your favorite team? So I was a Phillies fan um, because I grew up watching Carlos Ruiz in the Phillies and just, you know, being able to meet some of the players and watching their games. Because when I was younger, like I was like five or six, they won the World Series. They were in the playoffs every year. And so just kind of growing up watching that, I just stuck with the Phillies the whole time. So obviously I enjoyed watching Roy Holiday, Cole Hamels, um, Carlos Ruiz, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, all those guys. And then I just kind of never left the Phillies. I was just stayed there. So it's actually interesting. Bryce Harper's from Nevada. He lives there now, right? You live there. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Have you had a chance to meet him? I have not. You have not. All right. Well, did you see his comments last week? He said something. They asked him who his favorite player was or future players had Juan Soto. They're like, who's another favorite player of yours? And he said, Trey Turner. And people were like, well, doesn't he play for the Phillies now? Anyway, that was just um, interesting. But yeah, the Phillies were incredible. I guess when you were younger, I was I guess going into high school at that point, I was a big Yankee fan. So obviously the 09 world series watched every one of those games. Um, but the Phillies were great. I mean, even after that cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, those were some incredible teams and now they seem to be back. Now you're an athlete, but you probably played a whole bunch of different sports, professional athletes. When they make it to the majors, you always see they played basketball or football, something in college. What were there any other sports that you played that you were as devoted to as baseball? I don't think I ever got it as devoted to any sports as baseball but I played basketball and football when I was younger but I never really I never played tackle football because it was always so close to baseball season that I didn't want to get hurt to play baseball but I played in basketball um kind of up in uh kind of in middle school I mean I still played just with my friends and stuff but competitively I kind of stopped other sports when I got to high school so one thing that I would say with keeping Shabbos is maybe some other sports, if you look at least at on the professional level would be easier. You know, hockey is not every day. Basketball is not every day. Football is only on Sundays. What drew, drew, what drew you specifically to baseball from that perspective? Was there ever thought in your mind that was like, okay, maybe I should do another sport just because of that? Not really. I mean, there's so many games being played in the baseball season that if you miss one or two a week, it's really not, you know, you're still playing over a hundred games a year. So I mean, it's a little different because in basketball, if they were to schedule it, you might miss like a third of the season because they just the games are so spread out and they don't play as many games. But in baseball, there's so many games that taking a day off a week isn't really that uh, crazy. It's pretty common, actually, these days. Anyway, so. 
So I've spoken to a couple minor league baseball players and specifically just getting into baseball. There's such a grind. It's so different than any other sport where, you know, you have to make it through the minors or in your case, you're trying to go to college, correct? College or professional baseball. Oh, so either one, but still there's such a grind from when the time you're 18 years old, if you're in the going for basketball, you're in the NBA the next day, you know, or baseball, it's such a grind. It's such a process. What drew you specifically to baseball? And was that a turnoff for you? Um, not really. I mean, I haven't experienced the type of ground that they have, obviously, because I don't play 140 games a year. But I mean, it's uh, baseball is just something I love to do. So the grind is kind of enjoyable for me. You know, going to the gym, going to the field, hitting, throwing every day, just doing all that stuff. Like I enjoy doing that. So I guess it's it's not as, um, you know, as much of a thing to dread if I enjoy doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I watch I mean, I don't know about you, but I love baseball when pitchers and catchers start like they did last week. You watch these players. I just watch them stretching and throwing the ball around on the field with just music blaring. And to me, I would like, oh, I would love to be there. So obviously yeah. for you, that's the dream. That's something that you want to be there for. Um, but a lot of younger kids or kids your age are not looking towards baseball. There's no fun activities. What would you tell someone who you were trying to convince again to baseball? Because I talk on this podcast all the time. I love baseball. It's probably my favorite sport. That's a sport I grew up with. How would you kind of try and change that mindset, that outlook on baseball? I think definitely they need to take the time to understand the game a little bit more. Because um, once you kind of understand what's happening, what the pitcher's trying to do, what the hitter's trying to do, what like every, like kind of everyone's purpose and what their job is really, um, the game becomes a lot more interesting. When you're thinking about what pitch should this pitcher throw, the fact that he's throwing 100 miles an hour, or you know when the, when the batter hits a home run and he throws the bat in the air, like the game, the game is getting a lot more exciting in that aspect. And I think um, the energy that people play with, and if you look at college baseball, the energy that they play with makes the game really fun. And we're starting to see that more in professional baseball. So I think if people kind of try to understand the game a little bit more and they kind of watch it, watch the players who are kind of, you know, the most dynamic and play with the most energy, I think it would become a lot more fun for a lot more people. So one of the guys who is that is Fernando Tatis. He plays now or he'll be playing for the next 15 years, I guess, in yeah. San Diego, where you're originally from, just signed that huge deal. He's a guy who plays with energy. He doesn't follow the rules, the quote-unquote rules, unwritten rules of baseball. That's something that's awesome, and I'd love to see more of that. Do you see yourself as being that type of player? Are you a player who's not afraid to show emotion and maybe show up the other team, obviously, in a respectful way a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's obviously something that's my, my generation has kind of grown up with that. You know, the bad flips, the kind of showing emotion and energy, that's kind of something we've all played as we've grown up. So I think that type of that style of baseball is coming a lot more common. And the unwritten rules aren't really the rules anymore. So hopefully that'll continue and we can kind of show that energy. So let's talk about your baseball career a little bit. Positions you've played. I know you played catcher, shortstop, and pitcher. Um, who is a comp that you would give, a major league comp to yourself? I don't know, because I can play all nine positions. So I haven't met a switch hitter that can play all nine positions yet. Um, so I really have no idea who I would comp. I'm kind of like to see myself as my own player. That's awesome. Yeah, you should strive to be the best version of yourself. I love that. Listen, versatility is something that can go a long way for you. You said you could play all nine positions. You're a switch hitter. That's something, even if you make it to the majors on a bench spot, that's something that would be tremendous 
a huge asset for a major league team. Is that part of the process when you try and train yourself to play all nine positions, when you decided to become a switch hitter? How does that work? Um, so in terms of playing all nine positions, that's something that I was always able to do. So I always did. And being so versatile in the field, it just gives the manager more ways to put you in the lineup. Because if you can play this position, that position, there's so many options and, you know, it's just, it just helps your team win. And in terms of switch hitting, I was always a righty until I was 13. And I was actually hitting BP in front of one of my dad's clients. And my dad's like, go hit lefty. And so he sees me hit lefty and he's like, you should just start hitting lefty right now. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so it was pretty bad for a little bit, you know, obviously hitting lefty as the fields were getting bigger and the bats were getting heavier and I wasn't really as strong, especially on the left side. But I would say pretty much my freshman year, I kind of started to get where I wanted to be. And it's obviously gotten a lot better since then. But yeah, the switch hitting is definitely helps with the versatility. And batting left-handed is probably something you've only been doing for, you said, like the last five years. That you'd probably spend most of the time batting left-handed as most pitchers are right-handed, correct? Yeah, I would say like 95 of my high school at-bats are lefty. Okay, let's talk about your last season was there a COVID season did you not have a season at all was it completely canceled what happened there we had five games five games that's yeah. and that must suck for you what was it It was your junior year yeah so you're trying to showcase your talent prove to scouts and people this is a big season for you what's that like what's the devastation like I talked to a couple of minor league players who thought they had a chance they caught onto some major league rosters maybe they had a spring training invite and then it all just pops like that and you don't know when you're going to get that next chance what does that feel like so in terms of the scouting stuff it wasn't as devastating to me because most of the scouting that I was kind of getting was in the summertime but just in terms of you know being with my high school teammates playing playing the game of baseball I mean the high school season is just it's just different than any other season you kind of play because you know you have the music um you know your walk-up songs you have the kind of the schools all the school is there um so it obviously sucked in terms of you know not being able to play and for our senior teammates who didn't get to have a senior, a senior season obviously sucked but we're it looks like we're gonna have a season now so it'll be shortened but you know i'll take what we can get at what point in your high school career i assume so the entire high school plays together meaning all four grades yeah okay so at what point did you become a starter i was a starter my freshman year oh wow opening okay. day yeah so there you go. So that's all you need to know whether you're actually that good, like we talked about. So we talked about positions. Take me through some of the mindset of, I know you're transitioning maybe to becoming a catcher now. Maybe take me through the why. The why of? Why you are transitioning to become a catcher. Oh, so I, there was a little kind of pro day thing with one of the travel ball teams out in, and I'm here in Vegas. So we had always thought the catching might be something I would do in college or pro ball. So we figured why not just start it now? So I threw it a couple of bases and basically the consensus was from the scouts is I'm a catcher. And that that's just kind of how I started. It was pretty, pretty fast. So I love pitching. You did pitch a little bit. What was your favorite pitch to throw? Probably change up. I mean, I still pitch a lot. I was, I mean, I pitched all through high school. I actually threw a no-hitter in my freshman year on varsity, which from what we know uh, is the first freshman in Nevada history to do it on varsity. Well, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So pitching is I mean the pitching is not going away right now, 
it's just kind of I've been working more with the catching because the you know the pitching just kind of hasn't really um, been what I really needed to work on in terms of you know it hasn't really been a season so I haven't really had much pitching to do so catching has just kind of been what I'm focusing on right now but pitching is still what I'm going to do in the high school season. So as far as catching in the major leagues obviously you talked about how you know you only have to play five out of the seven games a week potentially because teams are transitioning to having three catchers on a roster and having multiple catchers. No, no catcher plays a day game after a night game. So a lot of maybe those Saturday games you'd be exempt from anyway. Um, what are some of those things that go into that thought process? Oh, I think you said it pretty well. Um, you know, the catching catchers only catch usually four or five days a week anyway. So if I'm not catching Friday night, Saturday, that's really not that big of a deal. Um, and again, the versatility helps with that too, because they have a third catcher that can play other positions. But um, really, only catching like four or five days a week is pretty normal. So in terms of not playing on Shabbos, that kind of works. People would think that maybe pitching would also work. Now, major league teams somewhat are moving to a six-man rotation, openers, different things like that. Teams are constantly shifting in what they do with starting pitching. So are you still open to that potentially? Yeah, hundred percent. The only thing about pitching is, is if my day were to land on Shabbos, let's say I was a starter, then that kind of messes up the whole rotation. Or, I mean, obviously you, you, there's ways to work around it, especially if it's a six-man rotation, but um, the catching is probably going to be easier than the pitching. What do you tell college recruits who are looking into you, trying to recruit you? Do you say, hey, I'm not going to play on Shabbos? How upfront are you with them? Um, I'm very upfront. I mean, I just kind of tell them this is the deal. Um, you know, if you, if this is something you can't do, I get it. But, um, I think this is definitely something special because it's obviously never been done before. And, you know, if I'm good enough to help them, then I think that, you know, they're willing to help. So from what it sounds like you are really good enough to help them. I mean, from what you're telling me, um, and so how do teams generally respond to that? Um, the feedback mostly has been positive. Um, the schools that I've been, the schools that I'm kind of talking to now, and that I have the interest in, um, they're willing to help me out in terms of changing game times. And really the changes in the game time, they aren't that drastic. You know, coming from like a seven o'clock game to like a three o'clock game on a Friday, it's just, it's just, it's a couple hours. It's not like I'm, we're making it a whole different day. Or the Saturday game, moving it from, you know, the middle of the day to 7 p.m. or something like that. So the changes aren't that drastic. And the teams that we're playing, the games are only, it's only like two games of them for a whole year that are going to be changed. So I think that aspect of it and the coaches are always willing to help, which is awesome. People have this dream. Yours is kind of shifting towards a reality. Do you feel it as a reality yet that, Hey, I could actually do this. I could be that first kid who's in major league baseball or even just professional baseball in the minor leagues and keeping Shabbos. And that reality has been in my head for a long time. I mean, that's kind of, I've always known that I can do it. And I know that just work, working my working my butt off to, uh, to to get to that goal and like from the time I could pick up a baseball, this has been the dream and it's the reality has never changed for me. That's awesome. And people are starting to take notice. There have been articles written about you now. I saw you're doing a bunch of interviews, stuff like that. Are you going into your senior season? Is this is there a bit of a mindset now? Is there going to be a season played? Yeah, they pretty much said yes. <laughs> Okay. I think it's going to start April 16th and it's going to be about six weeks. Okay. Awesome. So do you expect more eyes to be on you during this senior season? Uh, maybe a little bit. 
I'm not really sure. I mean, in terms of scouts, probably a little bit more than usual. Um, but in terms of fans, I mean, hopefully a little more than usual. Just, you know, I, I don't think they're even allowing fans at the games. But um, I, I don't think I'm expecting too much in terms of change. All right. Let's shift back to MLB for a second. What do you expect from the Phillies this year? Pretty much bringing back the same team, but that's a stacked division, right? You got the Braves who won the division last year, the Mets with Steve Cohen. I thought the Nationals had a very underrated offseason. The Marlins surprised a bunch of people on the playoffs. What do you expect from your Phillies this year? I'm expecting a playoff spot. They got they got some pitching, so hopefully they can. That was kind of the issue, I guess. But So hopefully they can put it together. They have the team to do it. If Is that your dream to play for the Phillies? I mean, it would definitely be awesome to play for the Phillies, but that's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kind of set in the Phillies. If you had a choice between getting drafted to the major leagues or you got a college scholarship, what do you see yourself doing? I have no idea. You have no idea. All right. Awesome. You just have to see where I would get drafted or what kind of the deal with everything. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, there are some tough questions that I'm sure people are asking already. How realistic do you think this is or unrealistic? Everyone in their back of their mind, I would say, has this dream when they're a kid. Like I myself probably thought, okay, wow, I could be a major league baseball player. And then, you know, there's Saturday games, there's Friday night games. I was keeping Chavez myself. And you start to think, okay, no, I can't do this, right? You never had that. You never seemed devastated. Do people sometimes say to you, come on, man, be a little bit more realistic? Or what what has that been like? So nobody's ever said that to my face, but... Um, I think there's a couple of comments on a Facebook post basically telling me that. But in my opinion, I mean, there's nothing we can't really do. Um, I mean, that's kind of, it's the dream and I've been working really hard to get it. And, you know, dreams can become reality for anybody. So, I mean, I just kind of believe anything can happen. I totally feel that. And I'll, I'll just level with you here. So I'm starting this podcast. I'm trying to get into a little bit more sports talk. And yeah, my whole life, you've kind of been told, okay, here's the path you go through. It sounds like you never had that mindset. You always had a mindset. No, we can be different. We can change. I think you're inspiring people, not just in a baseball world. And I try and bring everything from the sports world in the podcast to kind of life and reality for everyone else. I think you can inspire change that people can be like, oh, I can actually do whatever the hell I want to do in any field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's obviously not, I'm not just trying to inspire people uh, for baseball or sports, but really anything you're trying to do in life, if you, you know, you're dedicated to it, you work hard at it, you can definitely achieve that goal. Outside of, of, of course, achieving the goal of making it to the major leagues, what is a goal that you want to share? Is there a more global goal that you, that you're trying to achieve? I think the, the global goal is to kind of show everybody that you can do anything you want to do if you just you work hard and you're dedicated to do that. And what's so incredible about that is your dedication first is to Judaism and Shabbos and second is to everything else that you're doing. Maybe it's a one a, but you're working so hard on those other things. But I think in showing your true morals and your true values, you kind of show who you really are and people respect that more than anything. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. If you stay strong in your values, people are going to respect that. All right. So before we go, give me a quick, cool story, just something that happened. I don't know, maybe it's with a player that you met, a game that you were at, maybe it was something that you did. This is a pretty cool story about when um, kind of people, 
uh, in terms of the non-Jews helping us out with the Judaism and stuff like that. Um, so when I was, I want to say I was eight years old, I was in the North City Pony League All-Star team. And there was an elimination game for the kind of All-Star tournament on a Shabbos. So obviously I was not there. And so we were kind of, we were sitting around the house all day. We're waiting, like we have no idea what's happening. If we're going to play tomorrow or our team's out. And then all of a sudden we hear a knock on the door and, you know, we run over to go see who it is. And it's one of our teammates from the team. And they told us, you know, we lost and obviously all that stuff. And then it ended up like pretty much the entire team came over to our house. And it was just really cool to see how they all came to tell us, obviously it wasn't good news, but they all came to tell us and hang out all Shabbos afternoon and stuff like that. So that was awesome. That's interesting what you touched on before with the teammates. I feel like, when you get over that almost fear of, hey, I'm going, you know, how do I explain this? How do I explain Shabbos or what I'm doing to other people? You get over that and you're just like, yeah, I'm a religious Jew and be, become proud of it. People just responded. They love it. I was talking to a couple of guys who play hockey and they had that Jewish, it was almost like a cult. There were two Jews on a, on, a, on a team where they were widely not Jewish and no one was religious there. And they talked about how you know, everyone respected them. Everyone all of a sudden would be like, hey, Shalom, what's up? You know what I mean? And people love that. What has been the reaction you've gotten from teammates, coaches, and all that? I think it's definitely been similar to that. Uh, people definitely respect it. And people are genuinely interested to know what we do on Shabbos, um, what we can and can't eat. I'll have people, like, we'll be walking in the store and they'll pick something out and they'll show me the OU on it. Just like little things like that. They just, they're, they're happy to learn. They're excited to find out new things about the Judaism and kind of find out what we do and what we're about. All right. So what's the next step for you? Um, either division one baseball or professional baseball. And how do you go about sharing the story? Are you trying to share it along the way or the sh your, your career will just carry the story with you? Uh, I'm just going to kind of keep doing my thing, keep playing baseball and obviously doing everything I'm doing on the religious side. And I guess people are just going to keep following that. What's a message you would share with just anyone listening to this? Um, stay strong in your Judaism and um, just try to achieve what you want to achieve. That's awesome. Ellie, thank you so much. You definitely have the mindset, a strong mindset for a kid your age um, to have this type of mindset, to be so committed to not only the sports, but obviously to the religion first and foremost, and to not waver from that despite potentially something being at stake. I think that's awesome. So Thank you for doing that for all of us because you're really showing the path for a lot of people, I feel like. So thank you and thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right, awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by Podgo. You've been hearing all my incredible ad reads the last few episodes and I always mention Podgo. Now, what is Podgo? So Podgo is a great service that connects podcasters with sponsors, providing ad space for us podcasters to advertise for companies like Fanatics and the NBA store like you've been hearing. So if you're a podcaster, what you got to do is you got to go to podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot co. Tell them I sent you. Tell them the talk show slash Rami sent you. And start today. It's the easiest way to monetize a podcast. Thanks so much again to Ellie Kligman for joining. Again, the way he answered that one question where I asked him, you know, what do you say to people who think, hey, be more realistic? This isn't so realistic. You just see he doesn't view it that way. He doesn't think anything can stand in his way. And it's those type of people who get where they want to go in life. So I think there's a ton to learn. Whatever you're doing in life, uh, 
I like to talk about that on the show sometimes bring sports back to everyday life. This is a kid who's connecting the two and has something that's larger than sports at the forefront and yet still is excelling in the sports industry. Hopefully he goes all the way and we get to see him on a major league diamond one day. So I wish you the best of luck, Ellie. And for everyone else, I'll see you guys next time on the talk show. Can't go